Did you know that in the Bible, there are, over three, there are about 365 different places where you will see this phrase or a version of this phrase? Do not fear. About 365 times you'll see that phrase come up. Uh, for example, you see it come up with Abraham or Abram as he was originally named. When God came to him with this crazy calling to go to a different country and he would become a great nation, God led with the words, do not fear. You also see these words come up from Moses as Moses and the Israelites are trying to leave Egypt, but the the Egyptian army is chasing them and they come face to face with the Red Sea. There's a dead end. Moses turns toward the people and says, do not fear. The prophet Isaiah, who talked to a nation that had been exiled and defeated, that they were a shell of their former selves, he repeatedly told them, do not fear. And one day an angel came to this guy named Joseph, who was engaged to this girl named Mary. And Mary was pregnant, and he was not the father, but the angel said to Joseph, do not be afraid. Jesus looked into people's eyes throughout his ministry, and he saw that look of living paycheck to paycheck. And he looked them in the eyes and he said, do not worry. Then finally, Jesus appeared to John in this crazy revelation. It's the last book of the Bible, Revelation. And Jesus appeared to John in this awfully inspiring form. And Jesus leads with the words, do not fear. 365 times throughout the Bible, God impresses upon you and upon me, do not fear, do not fear. And I think of no better way to illustrate this than the shirt that was popular in the 1990s. No fear. And we often hear slogans like, you need to overcome your fear, tackle your fear, get rid of fear, no fear, no fear, no fear. And this is kind of part of what we want. We don't like fear. And so you might even make it a plan of yours. So every day of the year, work through one of these places where it says, do not fear, do not fear. But... What's important to note is that in these sections, God is talking about the unhealthy fear that we need to be rid of. And I'll give you an example. So when I first started driving as a teenager, I had an unhealthy fear of law enforcement. It was so unhealthy that my conscience would bother me if I went more than two miles an hour over the speed limit. And I was just, I was white knuckling it, even if there was no one around me. And to illustrate this, there was one day I was, I was driving along a country road. It was in Kansas, no one around. And I'm kind of just driving around, not paying attention. And all of a sudden, I see that a police officer is passing me the opposite direction. And so what do I do? I slam on the brakes. My car lurches forward. And the police officer, seeing my erratic behavior, pulls me over. <laughs> now, I had an unhealthy fear of law enforcement. Now, today, I think I have a healthy fear. I still respect the law. I know... I need to maintain the speed limit, but I also recognize they are there to help me and to keep others safe. And so in your life, there will be unhealthy fears where God will say to you, do not be afraid. And the spiritual unhealthy fears are when God promises you something, but you don't believe it. And wherever there's a gap between what God promises and what you believe, what fills that gap? Fear. So God says, do not fear, do not fear. 365 places, you'll see that come up. But here's the other part of this. Before we just throw fear out the window and say, well, no fear, I'm living fear-free, here's another thing that you'll see throughout the Bible almost 200 times. 
You'll see this phrase or a version of it. Fear God. In fact, Jesus himself, and we'll look at this today, Jesus himself looked at people in the eyes and he said, be afraid of God. We need to have a healthy fear of God, just like teenager me needed a more healthy view of law enforcement. But this brings up all sorts of questions, like what does it mean to fear God? Do we need to be scared of him? Like a child is scared of the dark? Do we need to be afraid of him? Do we need to conform out of fear to what he wants us to do? Like, what does it mean to fear God? And I wish I could give you a simple answer to that. Just like there is no simple answer to what does it mean to love, there is no good answer for what it means to properly fear. In some contexts, to love someone means you give them patience and patience and patience, and that's the most loving thing to do. But in other times, what's the loving thing to do? Draw the line. Love can be complicated, and so can fear, especially the fear of God. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to lay the groundworks for what the Bible means when it tells you and me, yes, even New Testament, even Jesus, even after Jesus, it commands us and encourages us to fear God. So today we're going to look at two things. What does it mean to fear God? And what does it do to you when you fear God? And to come up with a definition, I'm going to give a disclaimer. As soon as you try to speak in absolutes about the fear of God, you start to run into some problems. Just like it's hard to define love and patience, like what that looks like, so it is hard to describe the fear of God. And so I, I kind of made a general, hopefully safe definition for what this phrase means in all the different contexts in the Bible. And then we're going to look into what it does. Oh, and here's the other thing. Um, what is the fear of God and what does it do? I'm not going to make you wait till the end of the sermon. I'm going to give you those two things right up front. And then we're going to open scripture and see how these things play out. So what is the fear of God? The fear of God, a to fear God, is to be so aware of his presence. And you could also add, to be so aware of his promises that it profoundly changes the way you think, feel, and act. Another possible definition could say that to fear God is to be wholly aware of his authority and to live under his reign as your king, as your Lord. But it's to be so aware that he is present and to be so aware of his promises that it profoundly shapes the way you think, feel, and act. And as you see this come up throughout the Bible, you see this come up over and over again. Um, Exodus 20.20 is an interesting place where the, the Israelites are at Mount Sinai and they're afraid because you, the, the physical presence of God is right there. So big dark smoke, all this thunder, and the people are, are afraid. And and God wanted them to know, don't be afraid. And then here's the other side, the fear of God will be with you. And so it's like where there is a proper fear of God, we don't have an unhealthy fear anymore. And so that's what the fear of God does to us. When, when we are absolutely aware of his presence and his promises, here's what happens. Here's what it does to us. Fear of God brings about the death of every unhealthy fear. And so those are the principles that we're going to work with in today's message. Remember, to, to fear God is to be so aware of his presence and his promises that it profoundly changes the way you live. And when we do that, 
a healthy fear of God brings about the death of every unhealthy fear. So you can maybe see how this gets complicated because in life we do need healthy fears. Like when you get into a car, do you believe every time you get into a car, you're going to get into an accident? Well, no. But when you put on your seatbelt, do people accuse you of being afraid? What are you afraid of? You're not going to get in an accident. No, you're just being, you have a healthy fear of how, what it looks like to be safe. And so when it comes to your life, there are going to be healthy fears you should continue to pay attention to. But today we're going to look at some examples of the unhealthy fears and how a healthy fear of God puts to death every unhealthy fear. So with that, I'm going to step back and let Jesus take us into a direction here as he talks to his disciples about this concept of fear. And just to set the table, what Jesus is talking about is he's talking just with his closest disciples in Matthew chapter 10. And he's acknowledging that there is danger out there. Uh, Specifically, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, had been targeting Jesus. They said, Jesus, you're working for the devil, not for God. And the disciples began to get worried, like, wait a minute, what if, what if they spread this rumor? That's not who we are. And so they start to get worried, not just what this means for Jesus, but what this means for us or for them as, their, as his disciples. And so Jesus steps them aside. He's like, I can see you're afraid. I can see you're afraid. And at the same time, these, these Pharisees are being so hypocritical because they're the ones who need to acknowledge their wrongdoing. And so Jesus gathers his his closest disciples in, and he he says this. Here's one of the 365. Do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. When you think about the Pharisees, they are so hypocritical, and they're hiding something. But Jesus says, don't worry about them. They pretend to have the moral high ground and you're not sure of how things are going to work out. But I assure you that when you look to God, there is nothing hidden that he does not see, nothing concealed that he will not reveal. He knows their hearts. He knows that you should be the ones judging them. But don't worry about that. Don't worry. And so one of, one of our biggest worries is this fear of uncertainty that you take perhaps each day or each week. Oh, man. You look at life coming up and you're thinking, well, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? What if this person gossips about me? What if they spread this lie or this rumor? What if, what if, what if? And all these uncertainties begin to pile up because our fear of the unknown can paralyze us. I love how the book of Proverbs puts this. And by the way, if you want a deep study on the fear of God, just look at Proverbs. Uh, A book of the Bible written by a really smart guy, King Solomon, smartest man ever. And as he gives tips for what it looks like to have a healthy whole life, he keeps coming back to this one phrase. Uh, Proverbs 9 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In other words, when you begin to know God, that's when your life begins to make sense. Fear of the Lord, recognizing his presence and his promises and being so aware of them that it changes your life. That's the beginning of understanding. This coming from the wisest man in the world. And here's the beautiful thing about this. There's going to be so many days in life where you are so afraid of the uncertainties. And you're not sure how things are going to turn out. And 
even matters of justice, like you know evil and it's conquering good and God, where are you? What's going on? There's going to be these fears. But fear of God puts to death the fear of uncertainty. It puts that fear to death. Because with God, everything is certain. Everything is known. Everything eventually will be revealed. And it's not up to you to figure that all out. So when you visualize, God is really with me. When you're aware of his presence and his promises, it puts to death the fear of uncertainty. What does it look like maybe in your life? Is there something uncertain coming up? Are you in a period of waiting for something? What would it look like to put that fear to death by fearing God, by being aware of his presence and his promises? And then Jesus goes on because he doesn't just want his disciples to shrink back in fear of the Pharisees, but he wants them to continue to do what he called them to do, proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus gives them this encouragement. What I tell you guys in the dark, like what we talk about at night when everyone's in bed, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Be bold in your life. In other words, you guys are going to have to conquer this fear if you want to do what I've called you to do. And it won't be easy. You're going to have to take this message that's not popular and this message that's now having us be condemned by the religious leaders. You're going to have to take that and proclaim it loudly and boldly so that the attention is on you. Does that make you a little squirmish? Being bold, taking a step forward in what God has called you to do? And then Jesus follows up with another of the 365. He says, next slide. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. And I know you want to read on, but just pause right there. Don't be afraid of those who can take your life, but can't send you to hell. Or maybe another way to say it. Don't be afraid of those who can ruin your reputation, but cannot take your eternity. Don't be afraid of those who can get you fired from a job, but they can't change that you're a child of God. And then he goes on with this difficult saying, don't be afraid of those who can kill your body, but rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And he would lean in in this moment, say, yes, I'm telling you, be afraid of God. Now, we have to make sense of that, right? Because it's not every week we lead with, welcome everyone, be afraid of God. And if we would lead with that, people would rightly see us as a church that's just trying to manipulate people's behavior and make them conform to what God wants them to do and guilt, guilt, guilt. And yet Jesus told his disciples this. And why is this? Well, in this moment, he could see their fear of people. They could see that they were afraid of dying. And so he leaned in. He's like, I want you to take that fear and redirect it to God. Because really, let's think about this. What you're afraid of is just a facade. There's nothing behind what they can do to you. So if you're going to be afraid, would you direct that fear to God? That's where it really belongs. If you're going to be afraid of something, put your fear there. And so it gave the disciples this, this shift. And by the way, Jesus is about to acknowledge that when you do that, you find grace and you find hope. But, but maybe that's something for, for you and me too. When we, find, when we find ourselves afraid of something that's against us, 
Ask yourself, what's really behind it? And what would happen if I took that fear and instead I handed it to God and said, God, I'm going to choose to be afraid of you instead of them. Here's what it looked like for uh, Peter. Um, Several months later, Peter would be out sharing the good news of the resurrection with people. And there was one day where Peter and, and some others were, were sharing Jesus, and the, the, the Pharisees, the chief priests, uh, they arrested Peter, they put him in jail. Uh, God released Peter, and he went right back to sharing Jesus. And so they called him back. They're like, dude, we arrested you. You broke free. You kept doing it. Stop talking about Jesus. And then Peter said this. Uh, we, they said, we must obey God rather than human beings. We are done fearing what you can do to us. We fear God, not in the sense that we're scared of him, but if we are going to fear anything, we're going to put our fear in him because we are aware of his presence and his promises, and it's changing the way we live. So number two, fear of God puts to death fear of enemies because it helps you see rightly that they have no power over you. If God is for you, who can be against you? And if God did not spare his own son for you, but rather gave him up, how will he not also give you all things? Fear of God puts to death the fear of any enemy you might face. So what would that look like for you this week? Is is there an enemy that you're battling? Let's be honest. Sometimes the enemy is you. When those words of accusations come, or when fear of what might be said, starts to boil up in your heart, what would happen if you took that fear and redirected it to God? They have nothing that can harm me because God is for me. Then we're going to follow up here because when the disciples were told, be afraid of God, I'm sure Jesus saw the wide eyes, the wide look in their eyes, and they're like, wait, what happened to nice Jesus? And and there's a shock in them. And so Jesus is like, okay, you heard me. That's good. Now keep this in mind. When you fear God, here's what happens. It uses this little story. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? I I can't think of any equivalents today, thanks to inflation. I don't know if you can buy any of two things for one penny. But back then, they could. You could buy two sparrows for, like, they're worth nothing. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So, Jesus told them, one of the 365. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And I just love how in this short section, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because when we direct our fear toward God, what we're left with is no unhealthy fear. Only a proper attention, reverence, respect, and awe for the God who cares for you immensely. If Jesus made that case, you're worth more than a couple birds, then you know. Nothing that happens to you or against you can challenge what you are worth to God. And that's the other big fear that we often face these days. It's not just the fear of uncertainty or the fear of enemies, but it's the fear of questioning, am am I really worth anything? And so, so often we, we might gauge our value on our performance or on our, how, we, how well we do. And if we make a failure, that just makes us a failure. And it's so hard to find your worth in today's world. And so I, I love how, again, Peter puts this in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1. He said, live out your life, live out your time as foreigners here in this world in reverent fear. 
not being scared of what might happen, but directing your fear and awe and reverence toward God. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now, what, what if you, you know, went home today? What if, what if you broke something and you couldn't afford to pay for it? It was millions of dollars and someone else stepped in and was like, oh, I'll pay that for you. That's how much I love you. That would change your relationship with them. When you know the, the millions of dollars they were willing to spend for you, it's like, wow, I will honor them. I will respect them. It changes what you view yourself. And so when you, view, when you come to the realization that you are worth the precious blood of Christ, a human being, God in flesh, who committed no sin, yet became sin for you. When you remember that's what you're worth, it gives you a reverent fear. Wow. That's what God thinks of me? Then that will change the way I live. So fear of God, number three, puts to death the fear of worthlessness. And isn't it true? This isn't just true of middle schoolers, but all of us. Sometimes when we feel worthless, we do things to get attention. Silly things, foolish things, things that come back to haunt us. And isn't it true that all the things we try to do to increase our worth actually make us worth less? There's only one thing that was ever done for you that increased your worth, and that was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Him taking the place of sinners and then rising again to prove that it has no hold over you. So the fear of God puts to death the fear of being worthless. What would that look like for you this week? To go out there knowing that you have been declared holy by God by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and that's what you're worth, and nothing can take that away. A proper fear of God, recognizing his presence and his promises, will change, profoundly change, the way that you live. And then there's one other fear that we need to talk about. The big one. Because as much as I might tell you all these, how a fear of God can put to death all these fears, there's this one other fear that's probably lingering somewhere in your mind. It's this constant fear that maybe God doesn't love someone like me. Maybe Jesus wasn't for someone like me. And so I want to show you where fear was introduced. Not a healthy fear of God, but actually an unhealthy fear of God. And maybe some of you have been wrestling with an unhealthy fear of God, where just the thought of him makes you want to hide from him. And I'm telling you, if that's you, you're not alone. We go back to the very beginning, and one of the cool things about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden is that it was no big deal to them that God was just with them. Like, no big deal. God's just walking through the garden with us. I don't even know what that looks like, to have God physically, in a physical way, present with them. But for them, that was just everyday stuff. God, oh, yeah, it's the cool of the day. God's walking along in the garden. No big deal. But there was one day God appeared, and Adam didn't like it. Because Adam and Eve had just disobeyed him. And they had brought sin into their hearts. And they were ashamed. And so as God was walking around, God said, Adam, where are you? Adam's like, uh, do I tell him? And here's how it goes. Uh, Genesis 3, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid 
Because I was naked and so I hid. I was ashamed, ashamed of what I did. And so I hid. And this is where the unhealthy fear of God was born. Something that's alive in all of us. In fact, the Apostle Paul would acknowledge this later in the first century. As he was writing, he said, I want to do good, but evil is always right there with me. No matter how much we are transformed in this life, we always have this sinful nature that always, always, always manages to find a way to sneak through. And when you think about that sinful nature that you have and I have, it is afraid of God. It does not have a fear of God thinking about his presence and his promises. It is afraid of God like Adam was afraid of God, hiding. What do you do with that? The funny thing is this also came up as Jesus was being crucified. Here's the, the perfect son of God being put on a cross and two criminals were placed on either side of him. And when they first went up, both criminals were insulting him. How much do you have to be hurting to insult a fellow executionee? But as time went on, it seems that at least one of the criminals came to his senses. He's looking at the situation. He's like, no, this isn't right. And so this is how it's recorded in Luke. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. Save yourself. It's ironic. Coming from one who couldn't save himself either. And so the other criminal responded with this. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. For you are under the same sentence. Here you are talking about saving yourself, but... Don't you know you are heartbeats away from facing God yourself? And you're not ready. Aren't you afraid? Because he would go on to say, we deserve this. We deserve to be crucified in the way that we are being crucified. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Aren't you afraid of what's going to happen when we cross over to the other side and meet our maker? Don't you fear God? And there's that voice inside of you that will always say that, that sinful nature. You should be afraid. You should hide. You should blame others for your heart, for your, 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 your sins. You, you should minimize your wrongs. You should justify yourself. Hide, hide, hide. But what this criminal found was something amazing. He, he made this one plea. He's like, remember me, Jesus, when you enter your kingdom. To which Jesus gave an amazing promise. A promise that profoundly changed the way that criminal died. Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. And that's the promise that Jesus extends to you too. Because one day will be your last. You'll be a matter of heartbeats away. And maybe you'll even be aware that the end is coming. And that sinful nature in you will say, don't you fear God? Let's hide, let's hide, let's, let's try to do what we can. But the invitation of Jesus is so different. He says, no, let's, let's ponder a healthy fear of God. Let's recognize that the presence of God 
is so much more than just some ambivalent phrase that you might think he's present with you in, in some religious platitude kind of a way. No, God was very much with us under the same sentence as us, facing death for us to give us life. That deserves our awe and reverence. So do you fear God? Well, it depends what you mean by fear. If by fear you mean afraid, hiding from, no. A healthy fear of God will actually draw you closer to him as you think about what his presence and his promises mean for you. And a proper fear of God will put to death every death. Put to, put to death every, every fear of every unhealthy, every unhealthy fear that we might have. And I love how uh, the Apostle John put this. He, 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 he wrestled with this too. There's fear of God, but then there's love of God. And as he considered the two, he, he, he brought them together this way. He said, there is no fear in love. And then he clarified, perfect love drives out fear because he's talking about the fear that has to do with punishment. There is no more fear among you now, fear of punishment, because a healthy fear of God drives out the unhealthy fear of punishment. God has taken that punishment on himself. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. God is love. And so number four, fear of God puts to death the fear of death, which conquers every other fear that you and I might be left with. And there might be part of you still that on certain days, that sinful nature kind of pops up and says, aren't you afraid of God? You're going to meet him someday. He knows what you're doing. But a proper fear of God replaces that with trust, reverence, awe, and respect, considering that the king of kings became a human being and entered under the same sentence as us to take that away from us. So the fear of God is to be aware, so aware of his presence and his promises that it profoundly changes the way you live, the way you feel, the way you act. And the fear of God puts to death every unhealthy fear. And I'll close with these words, Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, because it was not established by you, it was established by God, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire, but he let that fire be consumed on his own son instead of you. So yeah, fear God. Remember his presence. Remember his promises. Show him awe, reverence, and respect. And the reason we can do that is because the love of God has driven out the fear of punishment. And now you can see why this is a complicated topic. And so what we're going to do next week is we're going to continue this series as we get really practical. What does it look like? to live in the fear of God? How do we instill this practice or instill this habit in us? And how can we make sure that we're not being too casual with the God who will judge all people? So we're going to look at some of those questions and, and walk some of those uh, topics as we continue the series. But for now, what does it look like to fear God? It means to be aware of his presence and his promises in a way that puts to death every unhealthy fear. We pray, dear Father in heaven, there are so many fears that can come up to us in our life. So many of them are unhealthy 
because they create a gap between what we believe and what you promise. And so thank you for the many places in scripture where you command us and encourage us to not be afraid. Thank you for Jesus who looked people in the eye and assured them, do not be afraid. Thank you for the perfect love that Jesus showed on the cross so that we know that death has been taken care of and there really is nothing to be afraid of. Help us as we take this message to heart that you also command us to fear you in a healthy way. Get rid of any unhealthy fear that we might have toward you, like a fear that might want us to hide from you or run from you. Instead, help us develop a fear based out of your love that runs to you and reveres you and adores you with all that we have. Help us this week as we pay attention to the fears we have in our life and help us put to death every fear that's unhealthy. Pray all these things in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.